on Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. Streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Really starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. <laughs> Yeah, good morning and welcome to Punters Postmortem on this Monday, the 18th of July. Dave Stanley with you for another big week on Sky Sports Radio and looking forward to it. We've got a couple of race meetings in New South Wales. They were at Goulburn and Wellington. We'll preview those after the show today. We've also got racing right around the country, so plenty to sink your teeth into in regards to the punt a little bit later on. Today's show, Chris Roots, Clem Munsey, and also David Gately joining us. We'll take your calls on 13.53.53. We've got a lot to discuss, not only the weekend's racing, but some news and bits and pieces that are happening around in the world of racing in this great country of ours. Tanya Thomas has the scratchings for us this morning on this Monday. G'day, Tanya. I do indeed. Good morning, Dave. Morning, everyone. We have racing today, as you mentioned, at Goulburn and Wellington. We'll start with Goulburn, where the weather is overcast. The track is a heavy eight. The rail is out 10 metres from the 900 to the 380, 6 the remainder, penetrometer 5.8 and 30 scratchings. The first race today is at 12.45, take out number 2, Layla of Monaco, number 2, race 2, number 7, Bossy Misses, and 11, Sneaky Island, 7 and 11. From race 3, number 3, Pirate, 4, The Seeker, 7, Fear the Truth, and 10, Doughboy Hollow, also 12, Pavalo, and The Emergency, 14, 3, 4, 7, 10, 12, and 14. Race 4, number 7, Mrs. Patmore, 8, I Want to Break Free, 11, Solvala, and The Emergency, 15, 7, 8, 11, and 15. Race 5, number 1, Boston City, 10, Sunshine Reggae, Emergencies 13 and 14, 1, 10, 13 and 14. Race 7, number 2, King Charming, 3, Extravagant Lad, 4, Reach for Gold, 5, I Love Lucy, 6, Borsalina, Emergencies 12 and 14, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 12 and 14. Race 7, number 5, Charlemagne, 6, The Herald, 7, Cool Encounter, 9, Ambari, 11, Sweet Biscuit and The Emergency 13, 5, 6, 7, 9, 11 and 13 from Race 7 at Goulburn. To Wellington, the weather is overcast. The track is soft six. The rail is true and there are 11 scratchings. The first race at 12.30 is clear. Go to race two, take out number seven, Cicillo, and eight, Bemboka, seven and eight. Race three, number one, Bears Best, and two, Change is Coming, one and two. From race four, take out one, Final Statement, and six, Nicanar Cells, one and six. Race five, number seven, Vitosha, and 11, Warstep, 7 and 11. Out of race 6, number 3, Mezinjit, and 5, Brief Statement, 3 and 5. And out of race 7, number 8, Larynx, number 8, Dave, from race 7 at Wellington. Beautiful. Thank you very much for that, Tanya. So there are two meetings for New South Wales and scratchings. The first at Goulburn, 12.45. The first at Wellington, 12.30. We'll be joining Sky Thoroughbred Central, mounting yards throughout the day and doing our best to bring you as much info as possible. We've also got a meeting at Warrnambool today in Victoria. That gets underway at 1 o'clock. For Greyhound Racing fans in New South Wales, we've got Nowra a little bit later on tonight. We've got Bathurst this afternoon kicking up at 3 o'clock. And we've also got a night meeting coming away from Maitland. And for Harness Racing, we have a day off for New South Wales participants, but they'll be back tomorrow. Of course, racing at Menangle this week and headquarters and all over New South Wales in different parts. We've got joining us today on the panel, we've got Chris Roots, Glenn Munsey and David Gately will be joining us soon. I'll go firstly to Glenn Munsey. Glenn, you're a proud uh, golfer. You get down on the sticks on a Monday and through the week. Surely seeing the highlights, or if you might have even stayed up and watched Cam Smith, doesn't it just give you... You just find a length, don't you? You'll be down there this afternoon and you'll hopefully play one of the best rounds you've played. Yes, good morning to you, Dave. I'll say good morning to Chris and good morning to Gator when he comes on and all the people listening. Well, Cameron Smith, I know this is a brave statement, Dave, but he could be the next, you know, Greg Norman type... 
what would you say, uh, conduit for young people to get into golf. Now, Greg Norman was one of the major reasons I went into golf. This is someone ringing that's evidently not a, uh, a Sky Sports Radio. I know it's about, Dave. I'm actually buying a new car today. Oh. And, uh, and uh, this this would be the, the mob to tell me. Uh, it, I only ordered it in um, February, so it, it's been all right. And it's only been sitting in the dealership for three weeks. So, what breed? Uh, what breed? Just quickly. It's a Hyundai Santa Fe Highlander, Dave, a seven-seater diesel. Ah, oh, seven-seater yeah. diesel. Are you... What's doing there? You, you, well, there's, there's, uh, well, I'm now the sire of sires and the sire of national lampoons. Sire, no, 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 Dave. I, I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, not a single doubt, and all those uh, horses now <laughs> that, uh, you know, I've, I've been to stud, and uh, now my progeny are, 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 you know, at stud themselves. <laughs> so I'm becoming uh, Denise and I are becoming grandparents for the first time. I know. Uh, Ashley, our daughter, and her husband, Luke. Uh, Ashley's due in October. And then uh, Todd, my son, and his wife, Jess, uh, they're due in December. Well so, done, mate. Um, I thought I'd be, you know, the, the responsible grandparent and, uh, you know, get the larger car and everything like that to no doubt I've been carting them around for years. So I'll, I'll just continue that on. But, uh, no, I've had seven-seater cars for quite a while, Dave. Okay. And uh, I, I just like them. And, um, and when the with kids were... <laughs> Growing up, and we had to go out to lunch. They'd drive home, and there was no worries about you know cabs and everything like that. It's quite good plan. Now, now it's a go back to, to Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith, yes. Well, see, when I when I was growing up, Dave, you know, you you, you were looking at you know idols to to make you get into sport, and you know, um, Greg Norman was the, I thought one of the major reasons golf really took off in this country. You know, he was the the big blonde haired you know mammoth personality golfer that drew people in. Now, Cameron Smith is your very laid back, you know, he's got a mullet, you know, he, he's, he, he, you know, what what would you do after a winter major tournament? You know, I'll, I'll go fishing and sit there with, you know, my mates and have a few beers and things like that. He'll get a lot of young people into golf, Dave. And, you know, and it's great to see him. Um, you know, once again, people of my age, he sees the, uh, the big penguin on his shirt. Well, that was the Bonds, uh, the Bonds symbol back in the days here. And it's an Australian company that's no longer an Australian company, quite sadly, uh, but featuring prominently on, on his clothing there. And it's just a magnificent effort, you know, to shoot 64 twice in a major in four rounds, it's not a bad effort by any stretch of the imagination. And, uh, yeah, it's great to see our, our first major victory uh, for a while, our first British Open for quite a while, and uh, and the 150th anniversary. Uh, well, not the 150th anniversary. The first British Open or the Open Championship was actually in 1860, Dave, in Scotland. There was only eight players took part in that tournament. Uh, but, uh, the 100, so they had a few years off for the war. Right, Chris Roots is now joining us. Uh, now, Chris, you got to play with Buns this afternoon. Will he find a length just after what he saw this morning and what you saw? Because yeah, you have won the comp you, before. I can guarantee. You, I can guarantee you one thing, Dave. He yeah. won't up, up like Cam Smith. He'll have sixty-four putts rather rather than sixty-four shots. <laughs> now, come on, come he, on! He, you're a he, team. He you're a team. Oh, Dave, I'm a terrible action. putter. If he, Dave, if I could putt, I'd be off scratch. And I'm off single figures as it is. <laughs> We've got David Gately. He, he, he could actually send a golf coach to, a, to the psychiatrist if he, if he ever went for a lesson because they just they, they, need, they need a couch after they, they saw Bunsy putt. <laughs> We've got David Gately. It's wonderful, to see, wonderful, David. It's, it's wonderful <laughs> to see Cam Smith win and... How, how good was that run of five days? Yeah, it was extraordinary. Uh, now let's get to Gator in our Melbourne studio. See, I've got the boys off on a tangent talking about golf. It is their their love, uh, David Gately. How was your weekend, mate? Yeah, well, the, the only tip I'd give the, the boys is make sure you book. I think given the uh, the um, events of last night, I think everyone's going to try and be out on the golf course for the next few weeks. But, um, yeah, the weekend was, was solid. I think, um, you know, very much off-season, as we know, but... Some really promising horses, probably headlined by uh, by Frumos. Exactly, it, it was a, it was a very very nice win, and one of those types of horses I think we're going to talk about possibly um, in better races to come. Let's get into it. Uh, Thirteen fifty three fifty three. If you have any questions that you want to pose to the uh, the gents about the weekend of racing, we'll. Well, let's start. Um, let's start in Sydney, and let's start with the, the the wins that we saw there. And there's already a text 
on the text line here about Flag of Honour, who was very good in the first. They got the chocolates on debut with Flag of Honour, of course, there at Newcastle. It was a very good go. We spoke about it on the punters panel, didn't we, Munns? But um, this was another good win, and this is he, he seems he's a smart horse, isn't he? Oh, very smart horse, Dave. A good type. The most impressive part of his win was the fact how kind Huey Bowman was to him. Now, that's a very, very good indication of the opinion Huey has. When he hardly ever went for this horse, he said, right, get up outside this leader here. Show me what you've got. Here's, here's half a dig. And the horse just found. Now, he didn't win by a massive margin, but he, I thought he was well within himself to win the race. And I, and I spoke to Chris Lees after the race, and he said that was a much better win than his win at Newcastle. And, you know, he was very, very impressive. You know, the sky's the limit for this horse, really, when you consider not many horses came down, like, wider than the middle of the track, and not many horses came from back in the field. And Huey just let this horse work into the race before the turn. And if you're on him, I'd say at the 300-metre mark, you were extremely confident, because when Huey's confident and kind, you know they've got something under the bonnet. What did you, um, David, uh, sitting there on obviously Sky One? I mean, were you? How did when you looked at that Newcastle race? And sometimes this can this can sort of you know it was the beauty of punning, isn't it? You look at the Newcastle race, who did he beat? You know, and then obviously a big step up to come to town, but he certainly ticked all the boxes. Yeah, well, I, I think he ticked a few of the boxes with with respect. Certainly visually, uh, a terrific win. Now on the clock. Um, there wasn't anything substantial there, um, so I just sort of shuffled him down my pecking order a little bit. But um, but uh, it just shows you that you know the clock isn't everything, and it's the, the level of improvement uh, that really dictates. So you know, I think sometimes we can get drawn into the hashtag data, um, where it's uh, you know it can bluff us a little bit. All you can do is do what he did. <laughs> you can't, he couldn't do any more. Uh, and it wasn't a fast day, but on Saturday, he's run home 35, his last 600, a second quickest of any horse all day. You know, he's come off a moderate tempo as a rising three-year-old. So, um, no, terrific win, uh, no doubt. Yeah, it certainly was. Chris, What uh, you're at the races. What's the chat after this horse has now won? Um, obviously, they'd be pretty happy. And, and the Wanless family have been great supporters of, of the Lees family as well. Yeah, they have. And it was one of those wins that just looked at. As Mum said, when Hugh Bowman didn't, he didn't actually hit him at all in the straight. He just let him work through his years, and you know he never he never become flustered. Even when he looked like he had a bit of work to do there in the last hundred metres, he just worked, he just found another gear, another gear, and was at his top. So it was a, it was a really good win. This was probably end up in a Spring Champion or a Caulfield Guineas. It's um that's the sort of race they're going to look at. He'll go for a short break now. With the spring champion being pushed back um, two or three weeks now, it's um, a very he can have a break from this run and and have a proper preparation into it. He can. Um, Gator, yeah. just just a question for you. You know, we had a number of horses on Saturday at Rose Hill that were coming to Saturday grade races from provincial uh, races, like like the first race there. And you said, you know, at, at Newcastle visually he was impressive and everything like that. That the question mark was, you know, how he'd, he'd cope with the 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 step to Saturday grade. But when you when you delved a little bit deeper into this race here, he was only racing against a horse that had won a midweek maiden, a horse that had won a maiden uh, at Newcastle and a horse that had won a maiden at um, Goulburn. So it wasn't as if it was a massive step class-wise. No, it's a good point. And it's, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a very relevant because you're only, again, so what he's done on debut is beat what was there, beat them well, and all he has to do to win a race, sounds silly, is beat, <laughs> the other athletes that are in the race. So, look, it wasn't the Olympics. He wasn't stepping to the elites yet. Um, so all that was really relevant. Uh, I thought coming off a likely slow speed may bring him undone, but, um, you know, they've gone near 51 seconds first 800, so that is not quick, and he's still been able to reel them in. So make no mistake who the best horse was in that race. We've got a caller on the line, guys, and uh, anyone out there listening that wants to get involved with the show, 13.53.53. We've got David on the line, and it was something, David, that I was going to touch on a little bit later in the program, but uh, Zach Purton and his uh, performance yesterday, um, well, not just yesterday, over the whole season there in Hong Kong. Good morning, David. 
Hi, boys. Well, look, um, these two, I follow Shartin races quite a lot, and what Purden and Maria have done this year, just going winner for winner virtually the whole year. But I thought yesterday, I thought Saturday's meeting, just for drama, was one of the best, most exciting days. But that race eight, um, I think it's the owner's plate or something, um, wasn't one of their top races, but Maria was two behind, and if he'd won the eighth, he would have been right back in it, and Money Catcher kicked about four in front, three or four in front on the turn, and um, Purden's horse, um, Terran Redson, gradually wore him down and got up to win to claim the premiership. But I, I just thought what these two jockeys and the excitement they've given race fans is amazing. I mean, they're truly two of the great jockeys and two of the real stars of world racing, and I, I just think it was just fabulous. One of the most exciting, even though the races were probably not the best races, it's one of the most intriguing days I can remember on a racetrack for a long, long time. It's just fantastic. Both fantastic. men should be congratulated. And they are two truly, two of the best jockeys in the world. Well said. Thank you, David. Thanks for your call, mate. And we're going to touch on this uh, a little bit later on. I come to you here, Chris. I mean, I know that um, Zach had a chat with Sky Racing recently. That article went up on the website and he's he's obviously spoke to the press throughout the season. He's faced his battles, obviously, with injury and and whatnot, and it's been tough up there in, the, in a lockdown situation. We see Blake Shin coming back, uh, what, to Victoria now, uh, or most likely landing in Victoria. I mean, um, it's extraordinary what Zach has done uh, since he left Australia, hasn't it? Yeah, he's, that, that's one of the toughest markets in the world because you don't have a jockey manager. You manage yourself, so you, you've got to build your relationships and... Zach's built some relationships, and he'd be the first to say he, he's 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 lost some relationships there. So he doesn't ride for some trainers. He's he's one of those. He he, he has to do he has to be friends with everyone really because think you find Marrera rides mostly for John Size, who's one of the bigger trainers there. It's um it's just a um it's one of the things that we miss in Sydney a lot with these. We haven't had a real premiership fight for about five or six years now. I think Nash, Nash winning was the last one we had where two jockeys were going for it. And with Chris Waller being so big, the trainer's premiership's over before it started. He he has four times the starters of any other um, a trainer. So it's a pretty big head start if you're going to have, uh, you're going to be winning trainer's premiership. So um, Saturday was one of those days where you just wanted to keep an eye on it. And uh, I was driving home for the races, listening to the Shartin races and trying to work out what Zach was on. And I know walking out of the races, a couple of jockeys walked past. I was watching a race of a Shartin on the phone and they said, which one's he on? So it, it certainly got everyone involved. Everyone was aware of it. And congratulations to Zach because he's, he, he got the job done and he um, managed to get on the right horses at the right time. And that last winner, that, that winner that clinched the premiership was for Douglas White, who we had some, big um, fights with for jockeys' premierships before before he'd become a trainer. And a, and a lot of people have said, oh, you know, the domination of Zach Purton and Joe Marira in Hong Kong is not great for racing. But when you get situations like this where the premiership comes down to the last few meetings and you've got quality riders, well, surely that's got to add to the theatre. Yeah, and the other thing, Mums, is that it's not, it's not that they're, they're not riding against blokes like Blake Shin's won a Melbourne Cup and we know how good he is. It's just their ability to um, book themselves, um, make the relationships and things like that. That's a big thing about racing. Like, if uh, if you're not on the best, riding for the better stables or, or getting on the best horses, you, you can't win premierships. Look at James McDonald. He, he, he's with, he, he's got a big supporter in Chris Waller. So that, that plays a big part in him riding 100 winners in Sydney for the year and winning the premiership. Thank you very much for your call, David, and well done to uh, to Zach. Let's go back to David Gately here because I want to ask um, you, Gator, about your thoughts on a horse called Bold Mac, which got the job done after a trial. Comes in one of these New Zealand horses that Chris has picked up and he's produced and they uh, get a return straight away. Yeah, that's right, and there was the nibble for the horse at a price. I mean, look, it wasn't uh, the deepest race in the world, and he certainly had had the good run, but look, he won quite well, and um, it's going through the uh, uh, the times on the day. He's, um, I know heavy eight uh, tracks and, and rel- relative times can be a little misleading, but 
Look, he's, he's done a good job on the clock. I know he only had the 53, but the tempo was solid without being spectacular. You know, about a length and a half above average. But he's still gone five and a half lengths above. You know, he had a good little match race with Blesk late there. Um, there's certainly a couple of black bookers behind. If there's a knock on the race, uh, you know, four lengths over the first eight of them. Um, could be some little query, but uh, look, all he could do was what he did. And there's certainly some substance on the clock, as I say. We've got another caller on the line, guys. So we've got Greg. I think he's there, and he is. Good morning, Greg. Hey, Dave. How you doing, buddy? I'm very well, mate. Good to have your call this morning. You've got Glenn Munsey, Chris Roots, and David Gailey. Glenn. Who's your question to, mate? Uh, Glenn Munsey, if possible. Thanks, mate. Yep. Yes, no drama, you? Hey, Munz, um, I just wondered what your thoughts are on stats uh, regarding last start maiden winners and, and them going on to win their next race. I reckon it's less than 10% of the time. Uh, mate, it's it's not one of my uh, pleasantries backing last start maiden winners, de- de- but heavily dependent on what sort of race they go into their next start. Now you might say, well, there there's the first race there on Saturday. It was a last start maiden winner of Flag of Honor, but we just explained that it was taking on a race with basically last start maiden winners in it together. So you, you come back to the fact, well, what do you think was the most impressive last start maiden winner? Or what do you think is the horse that's going to keep going? Very, very different from a horse going from a last, as being a last start maiden winner against uh, horses that have been very, very competitive in stronger races. So it's got a, a lot to do with the type of race that it goes to next. But as a rule of thumb, I don't like it. Yeah, same with me, Mums. And just lastly, I just wanted to touch on Tim Ryan and, and, and the, the TAB trading segment. It's one of my favourite, um, you know, parts of the show. And uh, I just wanted to say, that I think there are about three uh, lays that have won in a row. So maybe Stark's backing them. Yeah, well, he's, you know, he, he's, he just can't, you know, take the money off you every week, Tim. He's a very, very generous man. And, you know, started the new financial year, so he thought he'd let the punters get on off to a, a good start there with Frumos on Saturday. Uh, Wairiri falls last Saturday. But, mate, the years, it, you know, it goes 52 weeks. So, you know, he just gives you a little bit of early, early, and uh, get ready for him. And don't worry, he'll, he'll be bouncing back. Thanks, Beautiful. Thanks, Thanks for your call, Greg. Um, now, another one here for you, Gator. There's a another text game. Can you uh, ask Gator what the most impressive win for him, uh, was at Flemington on the weekend. Personally, I thought it was, he's a shocker. What did you make of the race at Flemington, um, Gator, and what did you like? Yeah, look, he's a shocker was a good, solid win, and he's got a will to win, so that tenacity late in the race will take you a long way. It was a decent race he won. Uh, he only won it narrowly, but um, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was uh, a good, solid win. Uh, I was pretty taken by uh, a horse, called Squid Game. I know only won narrowly, but um, he's never been that close to the speed in his life. And I loved his tenacity. Like, he's been sitting back and running home this booming last 600 figures. This time Craig Williams put him in the race, he looked in a world of pain to me at the 300 and, and still fought them off. So he's really promising. So is Daytona Bay, only start number four for him. And Nicolini Vito was uh, a one narrowly, but he is in for a really good prep. He's an underrated horse. Beautiful. Okay, I like it. So we've got another... Uh, lo- Caller on the line here, Alan. G'day, Alan. Uh, good day. What's your uh, question, mate? Good morning. Um, my questions are about the $50 bonus bets when your horse runs second or third. Where does that money come from? The place pool or the... It comes from the generosity of Tabcorp. Okay. It's not taken out of the pools... Uh, and when you and when you have that bonus bet, your next bet, you have say you have fifty dollars on a two dollar chance. Uh, your account is credited with fifty dollars. Your stake is not returned to you. So it's a uh, it is a bonus bet. It is not a cash bet. And a cash bet being your stake must be returned to you as 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 long as well as your winnings. Only the winnings is credited to you. Okay. I- Okay, I've got that now. Now, just say there's a thousand people, right? Get the fifty dollar bonus bet going, mm-hmm. and they all put it on the one horse in the last race. Does that yeah. affect the odds? Yes, because it's a paramutual. Uh, well, it's a paramutual bet. So therefore, you know, uh, you'll see. You'll also see that traditionally, uh, the favourites are shorter on the tote. 
when the when the bonus situation is in operation because uh, rule of mathematics tells you that the, the favourite has a greater percentage chance of winning, so therefore it has a greater percentage chance of running second, third or fourth, if it's second, third or fourth or fifth sometimes or for first half of the field or first, second and third. So that's why you'll find the, to- the, the favourites on the totes are shorter. Okay, so, so I haven't got a computer or anything. How can I get a bonus bet? You need a tab account. I've got a tab account. Well, you have to place the bet via the app. Oh, yeah, you got the, the bonus. That. The bonus bets are offered to customers via their tab account using either the tab app or the website tab.com.au. There are in-venue specials and promotions that are available to customers that are actually betting in agencies, pub tabs, club tabs, or on racetracks, uh, and that you activate the venue mode on your mobile device. Oh, I'm with you. One more thing before you go. No, uh, mate, you can ask as many as you like. I'm in a good mood. See us one. Durex a good value bet instead of Quinoa's? Uh, I'm not an exotic player. Uh, uh, I, mate, duets, I wouldn't think, unless you're betting in Hong Kong, where the, uh, you're betting into the duet pool in Hong Kong. Um, I, I'm very wary of paramutual bet types that don't have large pools in them because they can be highly distorted. I'm with you, yeah. All right. Thank you. Thanks for... And about <coughs> your golf, one more thing. Yes. If you, if you putt and you never leave your putt short and you don't miss to the left if you're a right-hander, you're going to get a lot more putts. Yeah, well, they say over 90% of putts that are short won't go in. They reckon that. There you go. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for your call, mate. Cameron Smith said the claret jug holds approximately two beers, and he looks to have 20 claret jugs tonight. <laughs> very good, very good. You're on Punters Postmortem. Glenn Munsey, Chris Roots, and also David Gately. Give us a call, 13 53 53, if you've got a question for our team on the weekend's racing. You're listening to Sky Sports Radio and Punters Postmortem. It uh, most certainly is punters post-mortem on this particular Monday, the 18th of July. Chris Roots, Glenn Munsey and David Gately are joining us this morning. 1353-53 is that open line number if you'd like to get involved with a conversation or ask Gator about a particular performance of the weekend. I want to touch on this. I'll come to you firstly here, Chris. Um, there's obviously a lot of chat uh, on the, the social media and we're seeing it now pop up in the Australian press about how our um, jurisdiction... And uh, racing officials are keeping an eagle eye on what's happening there in the UK in uh, relation to uh, whip rule changes and uh, analysis of the whip rule. How how inevitable is is a change here in Australia? And if so, why are we uh, why are we pandering, so to speak? It's one. It's an interesting topic, the whip topic, because it is something that is a tool of the trade for a jockey and. I think I was talking to Darren Bateman after um, their horse won there on the weekend. So I saw a cyclic, and um, he made the point that when Huey went for him and pushed him through at the outside, he he come down the outside, and then Huey went and changed hands with the whip and gave him uh, a um, two cracks with the right hand. Now the reason why he hit him with the hit him as he's gone through the hole and. And, and gone away from them wasn't to was was to actually keep him straight because as soon as you go through that hole and they see the outside fence the first thing the horse wants to do is roll in so in that in that instance it's a safety measure not, not to hurt the horse just to remind the horse that that's the way it's, way, way it's got to go forward and straight rather than forward and in which when you're out in the middle of the track with no running rail there to help you, and they see the outside running rail, their their natural inclination is to go inward. So in the, in that in that instance, that's where we talk about it being a safety 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 issue. Now the rules as they sit here at the moment, they're um they're they're pretty well um obeyed. Like I know we get four four or five whip breaches, but when you're when you put a number on something. Of course, you've got to record the breaches. So it's very easy to say, right, he hit it, 
they hit it more than five times before the before the um, before the hundred because that's the rule. So, but they, the way they're doing it is saying totality as well. So you might hit it seven times before the hundred, but you might not use it within the last hundred meters. So that sort of works works out well, and we don't get too many. It's when they when they absolutely absolutely go berserk with the whip and you know um, go five or six over and then keep going. That's where we've got an issue at the moment. The rules are eventually going to change. I think we're going to go back to there. There's seven strikes now in the UK or eight in jumps race. I think we'll eventually get to that that rule. But at the moment, I think the whip rules actually work pretty well. I I probably uh, a big fan of the unlimited in the last hundred meters if when when jockeys go over the top with it. But most of the jockeys now only use the whip when they really as a last resort really. Um, Gaylor, do you have any comment on on this particular topic? Topic. Look, I think it's um, we have to look at the bigger picture. Simple as that. Um, you know, we all want racing to survive. A hundred years after we're all out of the industry, um, and a really important aspect of that is the visually, you know, the aesthetics of the sport, um, and that's where the, the, the whip comes into it. So, um, I think it's really important. Uh, you know, not not for us that are hardcore, but for the greater good of the sport, yeah. Okay. Uh, Munns? Uh, oh, well, Dave, um, I've been going through these whip situations for a very, very long while, and it, it just seems to be the people that have the loudest voice of the people that have the least amount of knowledge about what's going on. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, we've got uh, another caller on the line here, guys. Um, I believe we've got uh, joining us now Shane. G'day, Shane. G'day, mate. How are you? Very good, mate. What's uh, on your mind? Oh, not much. Just uh, Gator, you're a legend. I love your tips, mate. Muns, you're a funny, you're a funny man. I love it. Well, mate, if you're serious about this business, that you're trying to win money and you do your money, if you don't have a little bit of levity in it, you'll finish up in a, uh, a rubberized room wearing a very, very long white jacket with your arms behind your back. Yeah, I've been in those places. Not real fun. Jokes. Um, mate, I, I, mate uh, uh, last week uh, in, a, in a race, I just wanted to grouse, uh, get you guys' ideas about it. Um, there was a thousand metre race in Grafton. Uh, the horse shoots the shoots the gate, hits its head on the gate, and the jockey uh, under a, a super heavy hold, it runs three four hundred metres under a heavy hold. He finally pulls it up, races it. They they get it under control, race it back to the gates, um, give it the once over, and say, "Oh no, nah, didn't it hit its head?" And then put it in the gates. Eight gates open. This horse just fades to the back, and the race goes on. And uh, I just wanted to know: should that horse been uh, taken out of the race? Well, mate, there there is a vet stationed at the at the start, and any incidents whatsoever in the barriers, the vet has the power to examine that runner and deem whether or not that runner is fit enough to run. Now, I know a lot of people would say if any horse plays up at the barrier whatsoever, scratch them immediately because there are numerous occasions where a horse seems 100% fine. It might take part in the race and runs disgracefully and is found to have an injury or whatever post-race. So what do you do? Do you do you err on the side of caution or do you back the judgment of a qualified veterinarian? Mm. Yeah, the only problem there is how do they deem the horse has already read its race? Well, they, 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 uh, they, if, they, if, they, if the jockey uh, is, is uh, got it under a hold, obviously exerting so much energy, it runs 400, 500 metres in a 1,000 metre race, then go back to immediately run again. Hasn't it, hasn't it uh, had its race? Well, that, that's when the vet examines it. They, they take its heart rate. Um, they, they get the jockey's opinion. He said, listen, you know, the, this horse is well within itself. It's only gone, you know, hasn't even gone a working gallop the first 
you know, 500 metres of the race. If they, if they hit the ground and go lickety-split, sometimes you might have a false start. You see half the field are, you know, hooning along. The jockeys aren't even concentrating. When there's a false start, there's a siren sounds 100 metres after the start. Jockeys have got that much. They're concentrating that hard. They may not hear the siren. And they're hooning along in front there. Well, they're putting a lot more effort into it at a horse that's under a hole, just going 400 metres, you know, three-quarter pace or whatever. But then again, it comes behind the barriers. The vet would say to the jockey, well, you know, how is it? Then the vet would examine the horse, and the final say is rested with the vet. All right. Got it. So it's just like a little warm-up for him. Mm. Perfect. All right. Thank you very much for your call. On the on the flip side to all that, we just um, you go back to the Ramorny, um, and you, you know, when, when for those that were on track, uh, you see Rangers come in, there was a little bit of blood present, and we thought, oh, hang on a second. But obviously, looking at the film and ch- chatting with, um, you know, uh, Tom Sherry, etc., he made a big lunge um, at the start, prior to the start, and actually made contact with the barriers, and obviously, um, you know, raced, and we saw him win the Ramorny. So uh, that's all in the stewards' report as well. So it just yeah, goes to show. You can see horses come back with blood in their mouth. They've bitten their tongue. Uh, they've lost a tooth. Uh, you know, they've hit their hit their nose on the on the barriers when they've jumped. You know, they, they can uh, have, have a lot of sort of injuries like that that are quite superficial. Mm. All right, beautiful. Thank you very much for your call. Now we've got to get uh, to uh, Gator here because there's a couple of texts. Uh, it says, "Hey, can you ask Gator about Brisbane on Saturday?" Uh, casting your mind back to race eight, a uh, horse called Field Weary for Richard and Will Friedman, uh, which they took up north and wanting to know... with the Frumos form. Yeah, yeah, your thoughts on Field Weary and should it have won? Look, I don't have that video in my head at playing at the moment. I've, um, I've, only, I've only really gone through Flemington and Rose Hill thoroughly, so... That's all right. There. Yeah, I watched it live, but um, yeah, I'd need to, to watch a replay and study the times to give you a... Um, uh, an intelligent inverted comment on it. <laughs> no, that's fine. All right, we'll mark that down. Um, uh, another one here. Um, can you ask Gator about Sacred Palace in the last at Flemington on Saturday? I've been following this horse. Do you think it's one I should continue to follow? That's from Steve-O. Yeah, he's a good little second-level winter horse, isn't he? Handles the ground really well. Uh, he was strong home in what looked a pretty decent race. That last race on Saturday, I think it was better than a benchmark 84, which was the rating of the race. Uh, he's run home 11.52, quickest of any horse all day. Um, he's coming off a really strong win, wasn't he, in Adelaide? So when he's placed right, bit of jar out of the track um, and gets speed on, um, yeah, he's a more than capable galloper. All right, and I'll come back to you here, Gator, and then I'll get a comment from Munns and Chris here about, about this Frumos, who we saw win race nine at... Uh, at uh, Rose Hill on the weekend uh, was obviously visually impressive. Um, that's now three from three, and she can gallop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that was uh, an exceptional win. And, and looking at that race uh, before the race, again, we should reference never missed a winner after the race, but before the race, looking at uh, that coming off those, um, you know, low uh, benchmark races, low uh, made in the class one, I think, but what we did see was some real substance. Being, being able to sustain a long, uh, a strong 600-metre gallop will take you a long way as an athlete. And she's done the same thing on Saturday. Uh, came off a strong, a pretty strong speed. They went 49 for four first 800, two and a half lengths above all averages. Yet she still run home 11.72, top three last 200 of the day, um, off a really strong speed. So overall time good, heavy track, asterisk, uh, but. Um, Certainly, something to be excited about. I think she was the win of the day. Chris, do you think the win of the day? It was the win of the day. She, the way she put herself into the race when Lee Pike um, worked his way into the race, she was she got there so quickly, and then she had hadn't actually exerted herself at all. And then he just gave her a click, and the way she went, she was she was very impressive. She she looks a real a real nice horse in the making, and we'll probably see her in stakes grade. If not in the spring, maybe in the autumn, and I think um, in a lot better races than what we saw on the weekend. Muns, oh, superlatives! I don't think are enough for it to to do what she did on on what she has done. 
uh, you know, winning a maiden at Newcastle. The, the winner of that went on to win a maiden at Gosford on Thursday. Then beat Field Weary, who went to uh, Newcastle as a Class 1 horse in a Class 3 race on Saturday. And never had a great deal of luck in, in that race there. So those people that are backing it, well, uh, and just back to that race in Brisbane, it was a Class 3 plate dominated by SF because the winner, Hot Spring Gold, uh, formerly trained by Chris Waller, was a Saturday winner in Sydney. And if you ever want to back Hot Spring Gold, only back it on dry tracks. But now with the, the Queensland Rogues, um, came from basically last to win that race. But beat Field Weary, who's a Class 1 horse, and had form around Frumos and Lolly Yates. And Lolly Yates has got form around Frumos. Um, and it's a Class 1 horse. Optimo, who's a highway horse here, ran third, I think you'll find, and Safika, who was the other Will and uh, Richard Freeman galloper, who was stakes placed in the UK and finished midfield in a race during Royal Ascot a week, two years ago, uh, ran third or fourth in the race there. So uh, race dominated. So that, that's a good pointer to look out for these Class 3 plates in Brisbane and looking for Sydney horses that have got solid form going up there because they're better form than the Brisbane form. But back to Frumos, well, you know, um, the most important aspect, I think, I said earlier, not a lot of horses were getting very, very wide to win on Saturday, and it was Willie Pike was intent. You knew she was going to be last. That, that's the that's the thing that you knew, and the worry was where she was going to make a run. But Willie was just content to come through the middle and to show the race sense that she did to basically burst through the uh, on the inside of Bella Spire and another one at about the two hundred and fifty meter mark. And once again, Willie didn't really uh, go for it. So she she and I think and I think Lord Ardmore was the other outstanding winner of the day. That was a good win, Lord Ardmore. What about um, uh, the the last? Uh, there was a, a look. Favourites in the last in Sydney. Well, they've always if you're been on a the favourite. You're blowing up. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll come to you here. So was the plan? Was the plan? Well, obviously it was the wrong plan. But um, did we expect Shades of Rose to be in that position in the run, Gator? And maybe was there too much confidence from the team thinking, well, they could just have the race run like that and mind you at the top of the straight you thought here we go um but uh yeah it just what did you make of it oh look um, the horse was slow into stride i think that's where it was lost you know in the first 50 meters you're back three wide at the tail um you know it's given up um the start not deliberately obviously um but that's where it was run and lost and then had to work uh, up three wide outside the speed, then shoot away a long way from home. Uh, gee, the run was enormous. It doesn't help us, um, you know, if we're on and, and we're no richer. Um, look, still managed to beat everything else in the field, <laughs> bar one. So, look, a terrific run, but I just think the start uh, was really costly. And from that draw, you know, they didn't really have any options. The fence was off anyway, so um, not sure covering ground was a disaster, but they just don't win do they? Sustaining, uh, making two or three runs in a race. Not many can do it. Yeah, no. what, what was what was the clock the first half there, Gator? Because they didn't seem to be going that hard. Yeah, so they have gone, let's have a look, about a length below, um, all averages, three lengths below the class average, so certainly not uh, a fearsome speed by any stretch. So I think, you know, you've got a, a brilliant rider on in, in Rachel King. She's aware of this. And, uh, no, you know, I think she's on the best horse, goes for, puts it into the race. You know, if she sits back uh, and gets beat, they all tee off on her for that. So you can't win sometimes. But, um, yeah, you can look, you can watch a lot of races uh, from Ballina to Flemington. Um, and with that run, uh, they just don't win too often. No, they don't. Um, what What is your assessment, Chris? They have, to, they have to be have a lot on them to win when they do that because they. what happened was she missed the, missed the kick and then... I think Rachel was aware that this horse had buffed the last time, so she wanted to be careful not to get busy too quickly on it. So on her, so she allowed her to find her feet, and then her natural speed took her to where 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 she needed to be, where you thought she'd be in front. But that exertion, when I think Dana said it was three lengths, understand, and she's probably run a a time that's around standard or a little bit quicker. And it, and it just found her out in the last um, hundred metres when there was only one horse that come out and had the had the soft run on behind it to beat her. But that that's what happens, and 
sometimes the start is the most important part of the race, especially with a leader that was going to was expected to be in front and and rolling along. And for the reason, Rachel was in the stewards' room after it, and they were they were they were asking questions about the start and things like that. And like she said, she just said, "I miss." It. She missed the start, and that caused my problems. Muns, mm. yeah, it's one of those situations, David. If 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 it wins, she's a genius, uh, and it's got beat. So you know, the, the the world is you know tumbling down upon her. But you know, the, what can you do? You know, it, it wasn't as if they went a thousand miles an hour, and she gave it a dig in the a dig in the guts early. It basically pulled its way forward to be where it was. And I actually said to Mitch Manners, they'd gone a hundred meters. I said they'll get to the first turn here, and this will be outside the leader because they weren't going weren't going that hard. Well, you know, you, you, the other thing is, she is still only a benchmark sixty nine horse that was in a benchmark seventy eight race. Right, she was in a benchmark seventy-two, a first run back from a spell. She was in a seventy-eight. The fact that it was so well backed was what I think causes the bigger drama. If it was a ten, twelve to one chance, nobody would worry about it. But it was seven dollars fifty in first markets on Saturday, so you're on it on Saturday. Less the deduction at six dollars, it runs two dollars. Of course, mm. it's going to cause um, a great deal of angst if it gets beat. All right, Mums, um, do you think that we you would? When you watched the race, did you think the ride was bad? I thought it was pretty good. I thought she did what she had to do. Well, as I said, like the horse put itself into the position. She didn't rev it up to be where it was. You know, do you want yeah, it, she, do you want it back third it. last when nothing had made ground wide on the track the whole day in a slow, slowly run or slower than normal run 1,100 metre race? And rule of yeah, thumb is 1,100 metres at Rose Hill, you've got to be up on speed. And Rachel did everything right. The only, the only thing... Good was the um the result wasn't there. Like um she 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 did everything right on this horse and sometimes a good ride gets um probably um scrutinized as a bad ride and it wasn't a it wasn't a bad ride. It was a really smart ride. All right, beautiful. Uh, now, back to Melbourne before we get some horses to follow and wrap up the program. Uh, Gator Giga Kick, which won the first there, the scissor kick for Clayton Douglas. Uh, your assessment, that's now two from two? Yeah, smart win. And um, did it with a bit of ease too. I think you look at that replay and I'm not even convinced uh, uh, the, the horse knew exactly what uh, what it was doing. <laughs> it was uh, still uh, looking around, ears pricked, so... Um, a lot to like. Uh, Lascar's off the back chasing, but uh, no, really stylish win. Uh, time, uh, pretty good. You know, it's the second two-year-old winner uh, in two weeks that's measured up well against the older horses on the clock on the day with Cattell last week and now Giga Kick this week. Um, right. Kata, just just another question about Melbourne. When you're doing your form now, how much do you add on to Patrick Payne horses? We'll put it this way. Um irrespective of the preparation, so whether they're on a seven-day backup, they're first up, uh, they're a month between runs, they're back in trip, they're up in trip, you just trust them. You just trust the stable as a punter and a tipster uh, that the horse is going to be there ready to run well, and if it's good enough, it'll win. If every stable did that, I'll tell you, this job would be a lot easier. I reckon, 100%. We're going to take another quick break on Punters Postmortem. When we return, we'll get some horses to follow from the gents. And if you do have any questions or anything, now's your time. Now's your last chance on this Monday. 1350 is the number to give us a call. This is Punters Postmortem on Sky Sports Radio. It most certainly is on this Monday, the 18th of July. Big thanks to Chris Roots, David Gately, and also Glenn Munsey for joining us this morning as our panel. Um, not trying to be the bearer of bad news, gents, but from Sydney town, if you, Chris, if you need to get out and do that washing, mate, and sort yourself out or play some golf, today's the day. Sunshine uh, around, but it looks like this afternoon we've got moisture on the way. Showers tomorrow, 5 to 8 mil. Wednesday, 5 to 8. 8 to 15 Thursday, 6 to 10 on Friday. Uh, it just won't go away. We think we're in the clear and it won't go away. Uh, on the flip side, Gade, you're in the sunshine down there in Melbourne. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful, balmy eight degrees here. And um, uh, I, I turned on the telly this morning and said it's the coldest day since 2019. So um, we're not flying down here. <laughs> now, what about um, uh, horses to follow? I might come to you here, Muns, first. What did you uh, What did you like out of the meeting at Rose Hill? 
Right, two from the Chris Waller yard, uh, Dave. One uh, that we spoke about on the punters panel on Friday, and I said I'm desperate to have a look at him in the yard. Too much to bear. Uh, the run will do him the world of good from Saturday, and one of the horses to come from back in the field and make ground there. He'll be vastly improved from that first up run on Saturday. And his stable mate in the previous race, Lovely Esteem, had two runs now uh, in Australia. Both have been very, very good efforts. Uh, just knocked up the last little bit there on Saturday, and a win is not too far away from it either. So lovely esteem and too much to bear, the two horses to follow. Well, the, the obvious ones, of course, you know, you, you look at the winners, but you've got to look at the ones that have got beat that you might be able to get on at their next run. Okay, sensational. Um, I'll come to you here, Gator. What's your horses to follow for uh, the weekend? Yeah, I think a horse called Verenskova was really difficult to miss. Um, I've always had a lot of time for her. She's charged out after a good one, I think, in Squid Game. And uh, as I say, she was only first up off the back of a really nice trial. So uh, certainly one to follow, Verenskova. Okay, and Chris Roots? Well, I've, I've come up with the same two as Glenn. Like, uh, too much to bear was very hard to miss. It was charged late. And it came out of a trial that was very hard, Chris Waller-like, where it was revved up a bit and did a bit of work. So... Um, Chris said after the race he wanted to get these 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 horses in and year year ready for the Premier's Cup at the early stage races in the spring. So it it'll be in a Premier's Cup prelude next start, I'd say, and be very hard to beat. I thought lovely esteem. I actually backed it at the price on the weekend. I thought its first up run was um, just one of those runs that said it's going to improve and it's going to improve again off that run on Saturday. And, It'll be winning a, winning a race in its next two or three starts. Okay, sensational. Gents, uh, thanks. Just, just a yes, note, Glenn. if you're wondering why the Hawkesbury trials are not on Sky Thoroughbred Central this morning, uh, the, the DVN line, which is the, the yeah. line that carries the pitches back from the race course to Sky at, at French's Forest, wasn't working. Uh, so they can't play them out live. They are recording the trials as they're being run at the moment. And... They'll actually record them there. They'll have to, that'll have to be brought back to Sky physically and they'll be put up online and also turned into uh, basically a, a replay show that you're seeing at the moment. The, the replays are on from Eagle Farm on Saturday. So that is the reason there are no Hawkesbury trials being shown live this morning on Sky Thoroughbred Central. Okay, sensational. That's Gentlemen. my community service announcement for this morning, Dave. I like it. Thanks so much for being a part of this edition of Punters Post Mortem Gents. Have a great week ahead, and uh, hopefully uh, it's a good one on the pun.